Hi, and welcome to episode 251 of the Untethered Podcast. Today, we have Melanie Peacock-Shell joining us. Melanie is a speech-language pathologist with 40-plus years of experience working in virtually every setting from schools to private practice to early intervention in hospitals. And she specializes in pediatrics, feeding and swallowing, sensory communication, and neurodiversity affirming practices with autism and other diagnoses. She works in a hospital outpatient facility and RDA-based private practice and is a parent coach for the Inside Out Sensory Communication Program. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untether Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Vulcan. I'm a certified myofunctional therapist, feeding specialist, podcaster, business owner, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, airway, tethered oral tissue, and pediatric feeding therapy space. If you're new here, I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to spread this message far and wide. If you've been around since June 2019, thanks for being a loyal listener. As we jump into today's episode, remember to listen with correct oral rest posture. Tongue up, lips closed, teeth apart, breathe through your nose. Let's get started. Friends, just a reminder, if you're an SLP or an OT who needs five hours of free training on a certificate of completion and or you just want to know how to screen your first pediatric feeding patient, go to feedthepeeds.com backslash training and join me. I'm supplying the free screening packet and the patients. You just have to show up. Recordings will be available until January 28th at 2 p.m. Eastern. And when you register at eatthepeeds.com backslash training, you'll receive an email with all the information you need to access that recording. There are also opportunities to earn a a free scholarship. We're giving away five free scholarships. Three will be participation-based only. The other two are participation-based as well, as well as needs-based. So all of that information is included when you register at feedthepeeds.com backslash training and all of the submissions for the scholarships will be due by 1 p.m. on Sunday, January 28th. Again, that's 2 p.m. Eastern time, Sunday, January 28th, as we have to go through and award those two needs-based scholarships, but you do have to participate. So sign up, join us. Can't wait to see you there. Melanie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's so great to be here. I'm excited for you to join me because we talk all the time online and I feel like I are, you know, I just recorded another episode with a colleague and one caller friend, somebody who also was, I think, in your Feed the Peace cohort, actually. And I was telling her, I'm like, I just love the community that it's created for so many of us because, you know, I feel like you all are colleagues and friends. And so I'm excited to chat. That's great. So let's dive in and tell me a bit about your history. Feed the Peas was not your entry point into being a pediatric feeding therapist. So will you share with us your journey into pediatric feeding? Sure. So I graduated from graduate school from the University of Georgia in 1980, long time ago. And at that point, we had all the anatomy courses, physiology, all of that, but no feeding, even though we knew the parts. So after graduation, I had to really piece that together, started reading online. When I aligned then, back then it was more, you know, books and whatever, because we didn't have online. 
So um, then I would uh, go to courses, try to piece it together, did some things like NDT, Intro, and Run Alexander, all of those things, and just had to do it on my own. In fact, when I was in Albany in private practice, I, Georgia, I um, was trying to get modified started there. There were no modified barium swallow studies at all. So I was working on that, and a radiologist came to me and said, let's do it. So we did. No protocols, no nothing. We did it on our own. And the first two were a baby, an infant, and then an adult with a stroke. So that's kind of where I really started and got into it. And then I worked in lots of different places um, with child development centers. And then I'm back now in Macon, Georgia, and working in a hospital setting outpatient pediatrics. So I kind of honed it down to peds at that point. And probably 2020, when I was really searching online, I found you. <laughs> Yay! And I read it first, you know, immediately downloaded the screener, the Feed to Pete screener, and started using that like day one. Even though I've done lots of feeding therapy, have lots of courses, you know, the whole gamut, I thought, this is so concise and great. And I love that developmental sheet that you can just give to a parent, explain, here's what we're looking at here, here's where we're going, and it was awesome. So then I started delving in and delving in and, and found out about Feed the Peace and thought, man, I want to do that. Even with 40 years of experience, I thought, this is it. So... Um, I kind of muddled in my mind, went to my manager and said, you know, I know we only have $250 for continuing ed. What can I do? So they pointed me to the Navisant Foundation here at the hospital. And I wrote an application to um, come to the course. And you look at things like um, no travel. They're not having to pay for lodging. They're not having to pay you to go to a course and not be at work for however long i mean yours is a what 12 week course so you know that would be a lot it'd be like ndt or something like that so i put all those points in there you're not i won't miss any work and then i'll be able to take this and bring it into the workplace so that's how i kind of got into the feed the peds course and loved it and it's part of my journey and even though with all this experience when I got in there, I was like, whoa, this is so cool because you started development, you know, normal development. That's so important, I think. Um, and some people don't always think about that first. It's like, oh, what are the disorders? How do I treat those? Well, you got to know what's normal first, right? Or typical. And so you started at the very beginning or y'all did and great mentors in the course, Ramya and Caitlin, and you are just fabulous. So can't say enough about that. And so with that first part, and then it, it starts with that sensory level, which is key for me because my area is feeding, swallowing, and really autism, which is kind of different and sensory differences, but you validated so much of what I was feeling, but was not getting from the outside world. Hmm. I love that. I think that you know, we really set out to create something that, like you said, was more comprehensive than kind of holistic in the sense that like we have to know what typical looks like in order to know what we're going to be treating and how are we even off trajectory here, right? 
Um, and even going back to, you mentioned the, the free screening, you know, the free feeding screening packet that we launched like before the course ever came out, you know, I kind of just, I was looking at, I think I was staring at like a checklist that I had just made one day and I was like, huh, I feel like we need to make this into something else. Like, I feel like this needs to be more comprehensive. I also feel like if I could just visually see those like steps of development on a chart like I that would be so helpful to me and I would love to see it up against like some gross motor skills and some fine motor skills because again just like looking at the body holistically is so critical and I just I don't we don't see enough of that and so I honestly I did not actually create the final checklist or really that chart I just kind of was the brains you know the idea behind it I brought in one of um the speech pathologists who helped to put the course together with me like early on and I was like hey you're really good at things. I was like, this is what I have. This is what I'm envisioning. I was like, can we like, you know, pull some sources together and basically create this comprehensive checklist. So even though it's a screening, honestly, times like I use those, that's, I would use that screening and then I'd carry it through into the actual assessment too, because it's got so much on it. And yeah, I would just was, I've always been so like happy that we have that screener out there because I think that it really has opened up a lot of eyes to like, oh, hey, okay. Feeding is complex, but even if I don't want to do feeding, I can still screen and I can still identify kids who may be struggling with something and help them get to the right person. And so, you know, then in came the course and it was like, how do we create this comprehensive thing that really does take somebody, whether they're in the field or they're new, through a journey of, hey, this is what we should be doing. This is what we're not doing. And here's like all the other bazillion things that could possibly happen. And, you know, we can't possibly cover that in one course and we don't. But I really wanted to dive into a lot of the trends that we were seeing and, you know, look at medically complex kids, which was not my scope. I was working with like the the tongue-tied babies and the infants and toddlers who weren't eating, but they were not typically, I occasionally had a medically complex case, but typically they were not our medical, you know, complex kiddos who... I wasn't working with a lot of, you know, G-tubes. I wasn't working with kids with, you know, significant um, health issues who were hospitalized, who were, you know, inpatient, outpatient. It was more like, oh, they can travel to my home office or I can travel to their house, but they're not homebound for health issues kind of a situation, right? And so I was like, I need people to help me because I haven't had those experiences. I'm not, I've never worked. I worked in a hospital as a grad school clinician with adults, um, both inpatient, outpatient, Right. I have only worked with children in other avenues and never, yeah. So anyways, all that to say, you know, I love that you have such a vast, you know, background and so much experience even coming into the course and still finding it beneficial for you in certain ways because I get asked all the time, well, uh, you know, if I'm an experienced feeding therapist, like would this be beneficial to me? And I always tell people, I'm like, I've been told by a few individuals who've taken the course that yes, the answer is yes. I was like, but I will tell you straight out that this was created with, you know, newer feeding therapists in mind. However, here's a lot of information. This is a 40 hour course. So like you're going to, you're going to dive deep regardless if you're, you know, new or experienced. So I just, I love hearing your perspective because I know you're one of those individuals I like to reference that felt it beneficial. You know, and when you were saying about the medically complex, that is a lot of my case. Like, um, I began with pediatrics working in the NICU back in Albany, Georgia, <laughs> in the old di- old days, um, inpatient and outpatient. And then now, uh, at this point, I we get all the NICU referrals, and those are like top of the list. So you've got to be up on that game 
you know. Mm-hmm. But the thing about that is, is with that trauma, that insult that they get over, over there, I'm pointing to where the NICU is. Oh, hello. Uh, when they get that, have that kind of trauma, and they all have it, you know, and we get the various cases. They're either tubes. Some of them already have a G-tube. They're very involved. Um, this was so helpful to me to get other perspectives. And what are the newest things coming out, mm. you know, and what can we add to our program here? Yeah. That has also propelled two of our other speech pathologists who have completed the course here as well. So we have now three of us, which is great because we can use that information and bring it forward. And the other thing I thought was just like icing on the cake was after I completed the course, you know, my 12 weeks, I'm like, woohoo, this is great. All of a sudden in my course material bonuses popped up. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And even though, you know, some of the things were in the course, you had the PDF fillers for the intake forms, so important. Um, the evaluation forms, the TOTS forms, all of that information, which was, in fact, a lot of that was new for me, that specific, and it has really taken me and propelled me forward. But also in those bonuses, you had videos and different and, you know, what happened to some of the case studies that we did during the course? That was awesome. And recently, I got really excited about this one. You've started doing the, uh, you threw in, what, videos of the like assessment and treatment library. For the library. And that's so helpful because it's really good to see someone else and then think about, okay, how can I utilize their technique? Maybe might give me some new ideas, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and I, you know, as a business owner, I'm always kind of looking to go like, how can I sweeten this, right? You all have trusted me and you all have, you know, jumped into this course. And I know that you got everything out of it that we promised. However, like, you know, it was still an investment in in money and time and energy. You know, what else can we do just like, as a thank you, if, if nothing else? And so we do review the forms that everybody fills out at the end. You know, they're not just there because Asha or Aota tells us we have to have them. They're actually there, you know, yes, they do have to have them, but we we ask way more questions than, than is required of us. And it's really so that we can get feedback and understand, like, is this still beneficial to all the students? We know what past students have said at this point, but like, how about current students? And and then when we start to see like trends or themes or things that people say they wish they had or they're asking for, well, okay, I mean, a, star, a business person might say, okay, great, go create that course and sell it to them. Sure. Okay. Maybe we could do that. But in like, in the heart of hearts, I was like, what people are really asking for and what I think can be tricky with an online course is seeing real therapy. And so we basically went out to our alumni and we said, Hey, if anybody has, you know, patients who are, you know, willing to let you record them and willing to let this live on a shared library for professionals, it will not be on social media. It will not, it will not leave here. Um, but also we will never sell it. We're not selling it as part of the course. It is basically a free thing that you get as a bonus. And because um, we did have one family who said, I don't want this sold, but I'd be glad to share it. Like mm-hmm. if it be resource going to clinicians because you've been so helpful to me having had taken that course, if this person's asking for that, like here, use everything you want. I was like, oh, well, okay. Um, rule, that's super cool. And so, yeah, we're slowly going through. We've got some more coming, um, but we are slowly going through some cases. I think we might have like a total of four patients right now. Maybe it's either four or five um, where we are going through and editing and 
getting more together just to give different perspectives. Cause like one of the things we'll sometimes, you know, talk about, especially I know Ramya likes to highlight this in the assessment module. No two assessments look the same and you're not going to fill out your whole checklist. And just cause we give you a whole, you know, evaluation template for birth to six months and another one for six months plus kind of dividing it by like when you introduce solids before and after. Mm-hmm. Because you have that doesn't mean you're going to check all the boxes, fill it all out or actually complete it ever. If, you know, eventually you probably will just by the fact that like therapy is dynamic and ongoing and all that fun stuff. But, you know, I, that's one of the hardest things I find new clinicians. Like they have the hardest time grasping the fact that they're not going to complete the entire assessment for. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was like, you know, I wanted them to see assessments and see, hey, none of us are actually checking all the boxes. Uh, they do an assessment it may look different than how this person has an assessment and this therapy session, even though we had some goals, is going to look different than that therapy session. And because I think that just the just that having that information, I think, helps us become a little bit more confident in knowing like, OK, we can go in and we may have a great plan in mind, but things never go as planned, do they? <laughs> and I, I love that you say that because I think taking this course, I felt like I've got some permission to maybe that first session of the evaluation is going to be just trying to get that baby or that child to be with me, you know? Wonderful. Yeah. And that it's okay that if I don't get in there <laughs> totally until sessions later, that's okay, yeah. you know, and that I can just take my time with it and that it's not always going to be the same. And I, have a lot of graduate students that come under me, CFs, et cetera, and to try to tell them that you're never going to do the same thing every time. There's certain things you're going to be looking for, yeah, but then you might get something that's totally outside of it. And it's so helpful for them to hear that from somebody so early in their career because they think that we, so many of us enter coming out of grad school and we're like, I'm ready to go through the world. And then we go, we start treating patients, we're like, Oh, no. What just happened? And I love also a lot of things you have in there are the encouragement part of it. You know, no. you are enough. I love that. I have it on my computer. You are enough. I make the time. What's the other one? I don't have it here in front of me. So you're enough. Um, you are worth the time and you're worth the impact. Yeah. Yeah. Because really it's it's taking that onus to be like owning the identity of being a feeding therapist. Right. And we're not going to get there unless we believe that we can get there. We're also not going to get there unless we're willing to invest in ourselves. And and I think a lot of us, you know, all the time we question ourselves. Like I'm starting a new business right now, completely unrelated to everything else that I already do. And I've gone through those same motions of being like, Am I really the right person to do this? Like, it's not to say we're not going to have those thoughts and feelings. We all do. It doesn't matter if you make a lot of money, a little money, if you're a therapist or a business owner or you're, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You're human. You're going to have these thoughts. It's just knowing what to do when, when they, when you have them. So you don't get stuck there. Cause I think I, for a very long time, a long time ago would get stuck there and I would question myself and I would be like, ah, I don't know if I'm the right person for this. And, and it's not because I didn't want it. It was because everybody else was telling me I didn't know enough or I didn't have enough experience or, you know, and I will tell you, I am actually bringing a CF onto my team and paying her very well because she's had extensive feeding experience in grad school and in her CF. 
and she's going to take over a caseload. She's almost at the end of her CF. And so like I'll become her CF supervisor to kind of help finish it out. Um, and she's taken a Mayo course, but she's never really done like a lot of Mayo. She's really focused a lot more on feeding. And I'm like, I would be glad to have you, you know, you've taken a course, but you can take my course and we'll mentor you. We'll make sure you know exactly what to do. And like, we'll kind of walk you through cases and, and you know, everything that mentorship is. But it's really interesting to, for me to see this because I think it just kind of drives home the point that we've got therapists who've been in the field for dozens of years who have never done feeding. And then we've got this coming out of grad school, and I really hope there are more and more of these because this is still kind of rare, um, that have had exposure to patients in pediatric mm-hmm. feeding settings that have gone through courses as a grad student, whether it's in their program or outside of their program, who have then continued this journey in their CF and they've actually started to become really specialized in what they're doing and they've maybe been exposed to this for a year or two. And so I like to really drive home the point that like time is not the definitive factor, you know, to your level of experience always. And that's unfortunately the opposite of what most of our industry says, uh, which is why I like to highlight that. So, yeah. And I think this, just that whole validation thing was just super, super important and kind of changed my whole trajectory it's really helped me with my autistic clients because i'm looking at their sensory differences but also knowing that most of those are body-based problems that started somewhere and a lot of them and you know and looking at how to treat that but also respecting their space and their sensory system and you've got to get them regulated before you can ever get in there and get the experience and if you turn them off to begin with you can't do your stuff right yeah yeah well I love that you know I know we were chatting for a few minutes before we hit record and you kind of said I have this unique population I work with you know right and it's you know these we've got that sensory component that's so key when working with these patients with the autistic patients um but I was like hold up hold up hold up because like what I I was like my autistic patients were the reason I think I really fell deep into the feeding world. Mm-hmm. That's not why I think I was interested in it already, but they they really propelled me forward, especially like there's a couple in mind that I just always come to mind when I talk about this. They are so, you know, sometimes so set in their patterns. And so I'd have those kiddos, right, who, and this is not just true of the autistic population. This is very true of like other kids with feeding challenges as well where they learn what their safe foods are, right? But I would notice with my autistic patients that like, and these are like preschoolers, like pre-K age, you know, two, three, four, um, they would stick to those bland color foods, right? They wanted the foods that were easy to mash or munch or break down. Um, and they didn't always even break all those foods down properly. So like here we had a lot of constipated children who then had withholding issues um, or, you know, they, they, wanted a snack but didn't want a snack and then we also had sometimes aba in there which is a whole another conversation for another day where they were rewarding them with food and i was like this child i'm like please stop using food as a reward can we like i was like we can talk about this like one of the kiddos i worked with actually had a phenomenal aba therapist who actually was like properly trained in verbal behavior therapy and was not just didn't just say they were doing bb like this person was actually amazing and the child really benefited because they were able to generalize and it was not just a like with this person in this environment kind of learning situation. Um, so that was really cool. But that person, like they were always there with us during our sessions and 
um, which was also kind of cool because we got to collaborate a bit. But I had sessions where the entire session was shot because this child was withholding a bowel movement or they were really uncomfortable and kind of bouncing around and, you know, and trying to make themselves feel better. They were trying to, they were seeking a certain type of sensory input to, you know, calm their digestive upset um, and this chaos they were feeling throughout their body. And, you know, I started to just go, why, 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 like, is nobody, why is nobody looking deeper? Why we're just going to give this kid Neuralax? Like that's the doctor's only solution. I was like, there's gotta be more to this. And so they really threw me down this rabbit hole of, you know, what is happening? Why am I seeing these patterns? Like there's gotta be more. No one's teaching me this. And I just, I credit them, you know, some of these patients to where I am now, because I was like, they were such fascinating and intelligent beings. And I had these kids too, that just, they taught me so much. And you know, one of them as well. I remember um, a therapist sat down and I was taking over a case. Therapist sits down at the table. The kid loves trains, right? Gets very hyper fixed on trains. And um, this therapist with the kid is like trying to get the kid to say something, say something, say something. If you say something, then you can color in, you know, the little. No, no, no. I'm sitting here going like, oh, this is painful to watch. So, right, this therapist leaves. I take over the case. I come in. I bring some trains because I know the kid likes trains and r- other random things in my bag. And I just get down on the floor with the kid and, you know, the kid starts laying down. The kid's kind of spinning the wheel very slowly on the train. And I just got down on the floor and I started spinning the wheel slowly on the train. The kid kind of looks at me like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? I was like, I'm matching. I'm right. And right. And I'm like, and I'm not, I, I will tell you, I have never taken like these sensory courses. I don't know the right terminology. I do not call myself, you know, I don't know any of this stuff. I know you are, so you can speak <laughs> You know, I just was like, I'm just going to match what this child is doing and see if I can enter into their world and and gain some trust. And like, look, at the end of the day, if I can't, they're not going to do anything I want, as we saw at the table the other day. And so as soon as I started doing it, the kid like said something to me. This is like a kid who does not repeat, right? And I was like, oh, okay. And then he kind of like moved into my space and pushed his train towards me to see what I would do. And so I kind of sent it back to him and we started to engage and what do you know within like a couple months the kids putting two word phrases together and now we're starting to put three word phrases together and now we're spending you know starting four and five and at that point I said okay can we start working on like snacks we start working on you know we've we've now accomplished what mom wanted to accomplish at least on the first stage now let's start like bringing the food stuff in which is not why they were there but I knew it was a major issue at home I also didn't feel like I was but at that point, enough. Like, I didn't feel like I had enough knowledge to even know how to help this child that I was, like, willing to try and take courses. And so, anyways, I'll stop talking. But, like, all that to say, I really feel like, what are we even doing if we can't meet our kids where they, where they are? And I just give so much credit to the autistic community and those children for really helping me move into where I am today and kind of making me think a bit differently and go, huh. There's a reason for all. There's always a reason for a certain behavior, if you want to call it that. What is that you see? What what is leading to what they're doing? And how do I enter that space and hang with them, really, to get them to help them, to help them push forward and gain some function? That's kind of the whole thing with the approach that that I'm using as far as sensory is, which is the inside out um, program approach, which is starting at regulation engagement and then we get to language then we get to feeding if it's the issue which 99 percent of the time is and you have to look at the whole thing and it's not only they don't get the practice so hallie they're at they you know 
or two and we get a diagnosis and finally get to see them and parents are like oh we just give them what they want you know and I understand that totally and they have their safe foods well we need to validate that first you know and then we can get through that barrier and it's all about getting into their space and autistic adults tell us you know this is how I felt this is why I'm at this point how can you help me you know or help the little ones that we're seeing now um to have better progress you know so it's all kind of dovetailed into this little niche that I have I guess yeah you know and you never know what a NICU baby is going to experience and then they get to a certain point yeah Yeah. well other thing I think I wanted to mention for sure I think we talked about this a little bit before we recorded was how those that intake form was just like really special to me (laughs) so I do a private practice on Fridays which I just gave the feeding intake form we have a speech one da 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 and I was getting impatient coming from a preschool and they just wanted extra speech therapy is what the referral said so I'm like okay send them a a intake form and I'll see them whenever so I go into uh get the form and they set the feeding form and I was like oops okay I'll still get information because it's great let me just tell everyone it's a really a cool intake form and it does have some speech and language things all there by the way so I look at it breastfeeding was painful didn't work very difficult feeding issues about to have our tonsils and adenoids out the kid walks in long face open mouth I'm like okay and so we went through very unintelligible very sensory seeker all over the room you know so I thought let's get that out and I told mom I said I'll need to do an oral mech exam and she's like oh yeah sure so he opens his mouth his tongue was in the bottom of it did not move I finally got it elevated a little bit with my um throat scope in there so tight and it just came out quickly his son is died. <laughs> I was like oops and she burst into tears and I'm not oh no so I went over to the mall I said I said I'm so sorry is this upsetting you that I'm telling you about the tongue tie and she said no thank you so much no one else believed me some four-year-old no doctor no ENT about to have the tonsils and androids out no anybody no speech therapist all said no there's nothing that doesn't cause this so I'm like well I disagree <laughs> I respectfully disagree with all those colors uh, and all of a sudden, this palette was like, you know, high and narrow. So I was like, there is no way here. So because he was about to have his tonsils and noise out, I'm like, you're going to my dentist that I know will take care of this for you. So she did go um, quickly. And yes, she's like, this got to be released. So I think, I think the trajectory was we did the tonsils and noise did some work and then he had it released but all to say a mistake was a plus and so now everybody's getting that yay everybody 
Well, and that's one of the reasons we made them like in my own private practice, we make them so comprehensive and it's electronic and I know it can take a few minutes to complete, but it gives us so much good data from the get go that it also lends itself to certain conversations when we do initially meet like the child's sitting there playing and, you know, for a little child, maybe slightly older, you know, a toddler or something, they're sitting there playing and maybe I'm talking to the parents so the kid's getting a little bit, you know, more comfortable with the environment before we dive in and start like interacting with them. You know, I've got time to ask some questions, right? So I love to sometimes approach some of these questions where I'm like, I need to know about what you checked here and what you filled out here. And, you know, and then I have parents come into and they're like, well, we're coming for speech, but I saw you ask all these questions about feeding or about like their tonsils and adenoids or their sleep or whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because it's all related and interconnected. And they're like, what? And so it's just it's such a beautiful educational opportunity when we can like dive into those conversations. It just it makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, and and just like in this facility here, we have this just fabulous team of OTPT speech. We also have a developmental program where developmental pediatrician, several nurse practitioners, um, and a psychologist and LMFT. So we have this pretty comprehensive program and everybody is just on board with each other and just getting that understanding of the whole team. And yeah. They can bring to the table all of our OTs and PTs and all the other speech therapists, of course, they're all for, you know, for sure. And it's just really um, kind of snowballed and I feel like our program has become really cohesive and we have the two other therapists who have taken the course and one is about is working on her CLC so we're trying to get that full gamut and a lot of that has to do with you Callie <laughs> kind of getting that I just want to say yay thank you so much because that probably did give us kind of a jumping off point to expand and really have the knowledge so when we're getting these medical babies and because we're in central georgia we get a lot of the south georgia but also the south atlanta because a lot of those families don't want to go all the way into choa or into downtown atlanta or whatever it's further for them to drive up there with traffic than to come to macon yeah so that has been super cool so we're pulling a lot of different areas and I'm just very thankful and my really woohoo yay for today is that because I went down the little rabbit hole of the tots and the feeding and all the things we've been talking about I every time you come up with your myo um, uh, membership and the course and all that I always like oh gosh I really want to do that but I just I just don't know I just don't know so I just throw myself in the giveaway and this last time I was the winner, which I never win anything. <laughs> so I'm so excited. Are you jumping into the uh, office calls and study calls and all of that? And it's been wonderful. So to have that opportunity is just really exciting. And uh, when I pull like, so I, I use this like little like electronic picker thing and yeah. you in like the Instagram handle and all the rules and everything. And so, yeah. That's just like little, you know, it, it, it totally, um, what's the word that I'm looking for, you know, not generically, but, uh, anonymously, whatever, you know, it's, it's picking it itself. Like I have no part of it. Control. You know, right? Yeah, it's right. Exactly. Uh, I don't know why I'm having word finding issues at the moment. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. Happens all the time. 
So I saw your name pop up as like the main winner of it with like the, you know, the Mind Method course and the Mind Membership Bill. Like, yes, I know her. <laughs> and I was always excited. Everything's a little uh, Instagram. I know. But you're so sweet to answer. Oh. You know, I appreciate and it. Even though I'm done with everything, you always answer me and kind of give me that um, needed push. Meanwhile, always let you know and your team know how meaningful this has been for me so yeah it was now yeah i know you're back in it we're never letting you go no (laughs) (laughs) and and always you know it it really is wonderful because i think about oh you know i wonder what these people are thinking this old lady is like no since you be retired lola no but it's it's like so wonderful and i did hear from a friend of mine who's a little bit younger than me but she said every um i don't even want to say senior um older i don't know what you call us older experience season that's not i like it so much better i was trying to come up with a nice sweet i know earlier i said that you know it's not all about experience but i didn't mean it like in totality you just meant like sometimes you get younger clinicians who are very specialized already so I don't want anybody to take that the wrong way because obviously you're, you have a lot of experience and a lot to teach me, I'm sure, and others. So that's a funny house like that either. Uh, but what, what she said was that we need mentors that are in their 30s. And I'm assuming you're kind of, I'm, I'm like late 30s, like, yeah. you know, the other side. But. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, and I think about you and then my, with my inside out course, Jesse's like 30 something. And so I'm like, you need a mentor that's younger than you, not a, not a mentee, you know, not someone you mentor, but someone to kind of bring you into just excitement, I guess, about learning and life and all of that. And I feel like you've done that in a lot of different ways and all the things that you put out there. Yeah. Well, and I think there's just, it's such a beautiful community that has been developed out of creating the Peets because there are now various levels of experience and, you know, um, years in the field and, you know, even even niche uh, areas that we work in because some people are more NICU-based, some people are more home-based, less medically complex, some people are in a clinic, some people, are, you know, inpatient, outpatient. And then we've got people who work with adults and we've got people who work with speech and language and Mayo and, you know... It, And I think that it's really cool to see the interaction between so many of us because a lot of like a lot of it really lends beautifully to the conversations that happen. Like that's that was my whole goal for the Feed the Peds alumni group, too, was, hey, okay, you've taken the course. I want you all to have a free, you know, group where you can basically go and interact with each other and ask your questions because I might have a response. Rania or Caitlin may have a response. You may have a response. But what about all the other people who have gone through the course and you know, they have maybe different backgrounds, different perspectives, other trainings, you know, other clients and experiences that I think really lend to a very holistic conversation around ACE sometimes. And, and that I love that the most. And I, my eyes were really open to that when I um, got into the mile world and we had a local study club that myself and my dental colleague created. Um, and we did refer to like a group of individuals. And so I remember one time like sitting around my kitchen table, it was me, I had another SLP biotherapist. I had the dentist. I had a oral surgeon. I had two physical therapists, one who was a physical therapist and an osteop- um, osteopathic doctor, his wife, who's an osteopath. 
Um, uh, then we had a vision therapist. We had a registered dental hygienist who's a myotherapist. And we also, I think I'm, I'm maybe like a PRI trained PT, right? And so you have all these people sitting around one table, all looking at the same case. And we're literally passing around a laptop, looking at images, talking about what we see after having heard about the case, like what we see holistically on this patient's body. And see and hear and like experience it through everybody's different lens and background. Even, you know, I know this example is more like we're talking like cross discipline here um, instead of like internally. It just kind of opened my eyes to the fact that like we have that even within our own field. And if we can have more conversations, you know, with similar backgrounds and at least understanding like what, you know, what this patient, what the question is surrounding the patient, the specialty meeting, meeting being it, for example, here. I was like, I just think that's very cool. We can all kind of come to the table and have this very holistic conversation and go, well, hey, have you thought about this? Or, hey, have you tried that? Or, you know, what happens if you do X? Or have you referred them to Y? Or, you know, what's, tell me more about this. And so um, that was really my goal there. I'm like, you guys get to take a course. But at the end, I really hope that you all use the community, this, the party or group to lean on each other too and, you know, get help with cases that you have the have permission to discuss. Yeah, and that's been really a great um, thing for me, too, just even finding, like, looking for other therapists, like, when a patient moves or, you know, wow. kind of thing. That's been helpful as well. You know, yeah. who who can help me with this guy thing? Yeah. What have you done with X, Y, Z, Yeah, you know, um, has been helpful. And I think there have been some, like, next step things that I've learned from the alumni group as well. And the fact that it's not, you're not charging for that, you know, that's a whole cool thing too, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like an extra added bonus. Yeah. You know, I can't say enough about that. That's just. Yeah. And we thank you. Well, and we recently did update pediatricfeedingtherapist.com so that we're trying to make things more functional. There's a map that's been added to there too. Um, so that hopefully it's, easier to find people because I think that before it was like okay it's great everybody's on a website I can type something in but I felt like it wasn't always pulling everybody up that may even be close to a location if you didn't put the specific location so now you can search within like 25 miles 50 miles and like still get more people pulled up who might be in the you know general vicinity so we made that a bit more functional and and I tell people like I use that all the time myself because I get people coming to me on social media saying hey like parents being like hey who do you have in my area or, you know, sometimes therapists going, hey, you know, who do you have here? I've Like you said, somebody's moving or my child or this therapist came to me and I feel like maybe you can help them find the right person. So that was one of my big goals, too, was like, I want to help you all, you know, I want to help therapists feel really confident in what they're doing and give them information and help them step into the space if they're not in it yet. But I also want to make it a lot easier for patients to access the care they need. And so that's always been like forefront of my mind. Well, then I think we grow this kind of, I don't want to call it a movement, but I guess it is. It is sort of like a movement, right? <laughs> and it's like, I, think I still feel like it kind of is here, but it's like you, you're exponentially growing that. It's like, you're not taking that just in, into Melanie as a therapist. I'm going to keep this information and only sit over here in my corner. No. I think it's got to go out, like you say, on the podcast to the masses, right? Yes, it does. It really does. I've met some providers, like in other spaces where, you know, they have like a really interesting and helpful method or something that they do with their patients. And I'm like, have you ever thought about like 
training other providers in your space and they're like, oh, no, 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 no. If I'm not doing it, then, you know, it's almost like no one else can do this, right? And I'm like, not only is that a very limited belief system and thinking, I'm like, that's actually more harmful to the patients who could really benefit from this. And, you know, and so part of me was like, it was hard for me to get to the point of feeling confident as a feeding therapist. I spent thousands of dollars, right? I spent 10 years, I would, you know, in 10 years, yeah, where I was like, okay, I finally feel like I can call myself this and I feel like I can kind of hang my hat. Be like, okay, guys, I'm a feeding therapist coming to me for feeding, even though it's kind of doing it here and there already with like patients on my caseload that came for other things and kind of fell into that with them. Um, but yeah, I was like, if I can, if I can spare others from going through that same journey, that same long journey and instead kind of shorten the journey and help them really jump, you know, jump in and get going. I was like, there's that. And then the patients, like you said, the exponential impact. That's one of the things I've always said. I'm like, if we can get more SLPs and OTs feeling really confident about, you know, becoming and actually stepping into assessment and feeding, you know, treatment uh, or feeding assessment and treatment, then how many more patients can we help? Right. And like if each person is able to help a certain number of patients, it just exponentially grows and how in our reach. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear that coming. Absolutely. Okay. The baby was born in the hospital. Oh, yay! <laughs> I love my free. That's that's pretty cool, right? That is so cool. And when you say that about occupational therapy, um, uh, also when we have our OTs are also, I'm like, hey, think about this course. It might be really if you're interested. But we have a lot of OT like hopefuls and even CODAs come through here. Um, and do rotations and they'll throw them with speech now and then to see it. All of them want to see feeding. And I always say, you can, too can take this course. You know, this yeah. is something that you might want to think about if you're really interested in it. This is going to give you a great place to start. Yeah, it's, I, I love that. And thank you. And I appreciate you for, you know, sharing it with others because it's, you know, word of mouth is great, especially with someone who went through it, who can say, yeah. So thank you for that. Um, so it, I know we've talked about a lot. Um, one of the things that we did talk about beforehand was your experience with writing. Um, is it writing to get a grant, like to get the court? Yeah. Yeah. Will you talk, will you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I kept, like I said, you know, COVID, the whole 2020, I found you actually, I think it was from uh, Carrie Ebert, who's a speech pathologist online, she did a book club. So that was kind of an interesting little fact. And it, one of the books was uh, Sleep Disordered Kids, I think was the title of it. And so we read the book and we were discussing it and all of that. And your name popped up. And that's how I kind of, okay, I'm going to go over here and found you. And then got going and going and like, I really want to take this course. And I kept telling my husband and get Mel, you cannot do that right now. We're about to change how your daughter's getting married. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, um, let me see what I can do. Because we got like 250 or something like that for yes. continuing it so far. So I went to my manager, kind of talked about it. And she says, well, there is the Navicent Foundation. Let's put you in for that. So what I did, and that was a foundation within the hospital. And I think a lot of organizations are going to have something like that. And I, okay. And ours is just fab that we do. And so I wrote an application. They said, you have to write an application. But for this course, the cool things to do is I started out with 
I do not have to have travel money because I'm not going anywhere. So that would normally be separate from like the 250 that goes to the actual course fee. Okay. I think that's what's important for people to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was just a little bit of continuing ed and that's all you get. And then you would, the travel and all that is on top of it. Um, and they don't always pay all of that. So sometimes they do sometimes they don't. So that was another thing. I said, this is a course. You're, you're not going to have to pay that. I could pay for travel. You're not going to have to pay for lodging. Um, it's a 12 week course. So I'm really going to be into it, but I will not miss any patients because of it, which if you go and take another course in NDT or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're going to miss your patients for a long time. You yeah. when we did the, here we had a long NDT program. It was still patient. Which costs your employer money. It costs money, you know, right? But they want you educated and to have this certification. So um, I put all that in. There it was. Boom. Um, you know, and they were able to do it. I said, I got to do it now before she closes the door. <laughs> I, re- I remember all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was like, can I go in and just pay yeah, I was like, I was like, don't worry, we'll figure this out. And that's the lovely like I know we because we open doors for like five to seven days at a time. Like three year and and because it's a twelve week course, it's like right right as the courses start, you know, starting to do this and then it basically closes down until the next cohort. And so we do get emails from people all the time where they're like, ah, I'm trying to like work with my work and, you know, see if I get this covered or see like what, you know, what's possible. And so we, you know, always we always say email us at support at feedthepeace.com because like we you yeah, because we want we want to help you. We want to work with you, and like we will, you know. Sometimes I know people are like, "Hey, can you send us like an invoice for us to submit with like our application, or can you send us a, yeah. you know, just can you send us more information?" And we do have like a PDF we can send. Um, so we try to help provide information to make it a little bit easier for you to, you know, advocate. Uh, I did you, I did use your um, information, you know, kind of succinctly what the course was about, what it would give me, being on the national registry, you know. That you- yeah, registry and all of that. So that was really cool. Um, and I think that helped as well. Yeah. And you can, you just have to kind of think outside the box sometimes of how you can word things. And I got so excited when I could put the little Feed the Pete's, uh, what do you call it, logo, I guess. It's handled on my email. <laughs> and I was like, well, how do we fit this in here? Yeah. Actually, you kind of gave me the courage to go ahead and put speech pathologist slash feeding therapist in that little email thing because we were all doing it and what they were redoing um because the organization name changed and some things like that so i'm like we're putting this y'all yeah i love it i love it well and you know and to the point right like you're not going to put that if we actually are not we don't actually have the skills or we're not getting it right right? and so you know for you though with the level of experience that you have even before the course like i would have encouraged you to do the same thing that i always people how is anybody supposed to find you or know who you are if you don't like hang that hat all and say like this is what i do right they're kind of just going to go you're a speech i can't tell you how many times i get from people wait you but you're you're a speech therapist why are you seeing the feed me for feeding what do you mean feeding like what is this myo stuff and i'm like Welcome to the FLP world. <laughs> We're everything. An extra label. Oh, like we do what we, we do way too much. <laughs> Not common, but yes, here we are. So I mean, is there anything else that we haven't discussed that you want to share with 
with everybody. I mean, obviously, tell us where we can find you online. Yeah, I mean, I'm just just personal me. I don't have any like professional anything. It's just uh, M Peacock Shell. Okay, and it, it would they just DM you like on Instagram if they would wanted to work because you have you do some consulting, right? And you do you have like your own little practice. So tell us about that. Like, what do you do in your practice? Okay, well, I'm I'm here at the hospital for forty hours a week, four days a week. Um, and I put that, I think in the thing I said, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and anyone in the area is welcome to come through and, and here you would have to do like, um, go through a process of referrals, of course. Um, and I do a private practice on Friday mornings and I put that also in your little thing, which is an autism practice and an RDI consultant owns it, which is relationship development intervention. So that's a little bit different kind of thing. Um, but we do see feeding as well. And I'm doing parent coaching through the Inside Out program. And that is for sensory um, based. Amazing. Amazing. Well, yeah, no, that's perfect. And, and you know, they, they'll they hear it all in the in the bio and the intro and everything. They already heard that. So, you know, we they'll have all the details on you. Now they know where to find you if they want to possibly work with you or, you know, come your way so or even just you know help with you know funding stuff or just have questions or where would i go for this that yeah. how did you come to be what you are i'm happy to share anything with anyone amazing so at m peacock shell on instagram uh you can Rochelle on facebook facebook too perfect and we'll put that we'll put that under the episode too so it's very easy for them to click through and find you but melanie thank you so much for joining kelly you too. Thanks so much. Hey friends, real quick. If you're listening to this the week of January 22nd, 2024, this is the week that we are doing our free five-day training on how to screen your first pediatric feeding patient. We are calling it Screen the Peds to Feed the Peds. So go to feedthepeds.com backslash training and join us. It's completely free. You will get five hours on a certificate of completion. And when you walk away, you're going to know how to use our free pediatric feeding screening packet to screen patients for feeding disorders and determine if they need ongoing or further assessment. I provide the patients. You just have to show up. I cannot wait to see you there. Again, go to feedthepeds.com backslash training. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you found value in this episode and want to hear more of these Myotots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode on your social media platforms. You can access free resources and all I offer at HallieBalkin.com or pop over to at HallieBalkin on Instagram to get all the latest updates.